Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Who loves the big questions of life? They're hard, I reckon. You love the, you love the big questions of life? I actually have found that big questions actually, they tend to rock my world. Sometimes they can actually really shipwreck you, can't they? Like something comes out of left field, you never consider that. A big question comes and completely knocks you. Because we can handle the small questions, can't we? You know, what's better, Coke or Pepsi? iPhone or Android? Uh, you know, small questions. Which political party is going to manage the economy better? Mm. That's actually a small question. Really? Like, is it? In the scheme of things, can the Eagles win the 20? That's an easy question. I know the answer, and I, <laughs> you got a different answer to me. I was, I was sitting in the stadium yesterday. We were a couple, couple overs out. I'm with my high school mates, and we're looking at each other. We say, no, 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 it's not. We were doubters. We were doubters. Um, we had the wrong answer to that small little question. Small questions we can handle. What about the big questions? What about the existential questions? What about the ultimate questions of life? These questions don't really come knocking on the door until we have to encounter things like illness, death of a loved one, a relationship falls apart, or you hear a crisis in your life, and this tends to happen, I think there's a reason why we call it a midlife crisis. You come to a certain stage of your life, you look back, you look forward, and all of a sudden you realise, maybe for the very first time, stuff me, I'm lost. Anyone been there? Yeah. It comes, it comes. This week I read um, about Tim Keller. He was just reflecting on his journey through cancer. And his comment was is that he would never want to go back to his prayer life prior to hearing the news he had cancer. He doesn't want to go back there. Cancer came. Something like completely knocked him. Life comes. Big questions come and knock us down. One of the functions of the church community or the church family, I should say, is to actually be able to journey communally together through life's questions. And I think the thing is we can only really journey through that together. I can't do it by myself, though we, we, we try sometimes. The ability to think critically about life, about ourselves, about our theology, is a fundamental responsibility for every single follower of Jesus Christ. Romans 12 verse 2 is a regular um, verse that has come up in the life of our church over and over again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve of God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let's us know that there are things in play. There are invisible characters. There are principalities. There are powers. There's death. There's wrath. There's this power of sin. There's sin. There's the Satan. There's all these things that are trying to influence and trying to conform. And there is a pattern of this world. And, and, and Scripture tells us that we need to be aware that there is a pattern, but we also need to understand that there are things that try to actually infiltrate my world and your world and our church, and they get away with it unless we start thinking. They get away with it. They get away with it because we just don't want to engage this intellectual activity of renewing the mind. They come all the time. But if we do engage and if we do think, well, the outcome's extraordinary. 
this idea of being able to renew your mind, to reimagine what the world could be, to discover, to rediscover. Like I think about discipleship. Discipleship can be this real dry, boring word, but when I think of discipleship, it's a word of exploration. It's a word of discovery. It's a word, it's a word where God has opened up a brand new world, the kingdom of God, the reign of God, and I get to step into and check it out. That's awesome. Have you ever been to a new place where you just go exploring? Isn't that exciting? Right? We went over to Queensland for a couple of weeks. We went over there. It was amazing. We went to the Gold Coast. It was great. Different world. Go exploring. Well, I wonder what's down that road. I have no idea. Let's go. Kingdom of God breaks into your life and there's all these things in front of you. And if you have the freedom to explore, you say, I wonder what's down that lane. Down that lane. I don't know. Let's check it out. You go discover something new. I wonder what's over there. Christianity should be this thing that liberates us so that we can explore this brand new reality, the kingdom of God, the reign of God, human flourishing, reconciliation. Come on, bring it on. That's what it should be. But then these questions come, don't they? These ultimate questions. And they barrage through our doors uninvited and they refuse to leave. Questions like, what is really real? You know, what is really real? You know, what is, like, what, what is real? What, what, what is a human? That's going to become more of a question, isn't it? You know, I was sharing um, with some of the guys on Wednesday night. Um, um, last year, I was listening to a couple of um, podcasts and they were talking about artificial intelligence. Obviously, that's kicking in. And then the conversation was about ethical questions around artificial intelligence. Because obviously, if artificial intelligence um, gets to the point of like, humans and beyond, the question is, okay, can we do things to inflict harm and damage and suffering on artificial intelligence? I've never thought about that question before. And I'm thinking, the world getting crazy. But it's a more complex world, you see. That's what's happening. So what is really human? That's a great question. Where are we? What, what went wrong? What's the solution? What's the meaning of history? Here's a big one. Who are you? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. And we reduce it, you know, I'm a, I'm a human being, not a human doing. Wait a minute, you're, wait, wait a minute. What you do is actually connected to who you are. You need to think about that and stop, like, like, we can't reduce things to these little cliches that actually don't help people in life. They don't help. But we need to think, we need to engage. That's a big one. Who are you? Dave, who are you? Oh. And, and then another thing is, like, when we're ready to read the Bible, the, the Bible has questions. Have you noticed that? And they shake us violently. These questions, Adam, where are you? That's a tough question. Cain, where is your brother Abel? That's a tough question. Who do you say I am? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are big questions. Tough questions. And so often as humans, we resist answering or figuring out these questions because of fear. And we simply need to do it together, guys. There's no such thing as a lone Christian. That is just a diversion of the biblical narrative. We have to do it together. And then when we have these ultimate questions... Like, like for that, I think like the antidote, like when, when you've got fear, we've all got fear, right? You need courage. But then when it comes to these ultimate questions, 
they get a little bit complex as well. Because these ultimate questions of life, they lead to deeper and more nuanced understandings, especially when we start having conversations with people who are different to us, people who come from different worldviews. So that means in this given room, we could have the same question posed to us, and all of us have nuanced answers to it. So what does it mean to actually be in a community like that? Well, number one, we need to have courage. But number two, we need to have a truckload of humility, don't we? Yeah. That I can sit and I can learn from you. Like if someone like sits and like they, they think differently to me or they have a different background, I need to be able to sit and say, you know what, I am like, yeah, I need to learn a whole truckload of humility as well. And that's just life, isn't it? We have to do it together. So today I just want to um, introduce yet another model <laughs> for our church to consider this year. Um, and the idea is to help us as a family to be faithful resurrection people in 2023. Um, I was looking through uh, my, I hadn't been on Instagram and all that like, for the three months or so much, so I'm back on because you need to post stuff for the church and, and all that. Um, and... Um, I saw like all these churches have these Vision Sundays, and like every Vision Sunday, I seem to miss it. But we're kind of at this Sunday, and we're doing it again. This is like, this is the vision of our church. We want to be faithful resurrection people. That's the vision, and we want to figure out what that means because we haven't got that figured out as yet. So we want to actually add some things in our mind to help us think that through. So I want to give a framework. And again, the language that we're going to kind of be talking about over the next um, year is at least when I do the speaking. Um, there's going to be times when Brett brings his own series. He's going to do that because he's going to, um, he's got a whole lot of stuff that he needs to share with the church. But when I'm here, we're going to be talking predominantly about this. And, and, and what I want to do is actually provide language that helps us to expand deficient understandings or to, re or, or to correct really bad understandings of the Bible. Have you heard about this one? Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. Yeah, that's not a good understanding. That's not good. Maybe I shouldn't say it like that. God's love story for me. Well, Jesus does love you, but this story is not actually about you. And it's not about me. Sorry to burst that bubble. Or this thing of this gulf and like there's a sin and there's God and there's a cross and it's a bridge. You know, we want to expand that. We want to expand that. Um, one familiar framework which has worked um, for a lot of people is this idea of creation, fall, redemption. That kind of thing. Those three words, creation, fall, redemption. And um, I know personally... I, I can sit and talk to people theologically about that. But even I, I, I actually find it very difficult to actually land that on the ground and actually use terminology like that to kind of walk it out. So what I thought we'd try to do is actually take that kind of framework but actually try to contemporise it with some different language. And again, this language is not my own. I steal everything from people smarter than me. Um, and, um, but I heard this um, late last year... I was listening to um, these theologians and they talked about this language and I thought that could actually be quite helpful. So here is what the language is that we're going to be thinking about. Goal, mess, plan. Everyone say goal. goal. 
That's so, like, come on, we're in Armadale. You need to be feisty with that. Everyone say goal. Goal. All right. Mess. Mess. Plan. Plan. Goal, mess, plan. Let me show you a simple diagram, Derek, if you could put that up. And um, I want want to show you where we're going. Goal, mess, plan. The story of God. Goal, mess, plan. And over the years, we've actually gone through this stuff. Um, Ironically, we haven't gone through the goal much, which is what we're going to be doing um, in this series. But I want you to notice just a couple of things. When I talk about the goal, the Bible story actually does have a goal in mind. From the beginning, there is a goal that God does have something in mind. And we actually find... Um, some of the core information about the goal that God has in mind in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, um, Revelation 21, 22 uh, has it, and there's some scatterings along the way, but there is some information there. Mess. I think we've talked quite a bit about the mess, and we've tried to enlarge our imagination to sort of say, or, or, or what we know is that the mess is more than just Genesis 3, a rebellion on earth. No, the Bible speaks about Genesis 6. There was a rebellion in the heavenlies and Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. And something's happened where there's a scattering of all these other Elohim. So there are influences that we cannot see, characters in play, principalities, powers that make everything very, very complex. So you look at someone screwing up their life and you think, you're just a bad person. It's like, wait a minute, it goes more complex than that. They're not a bad person, they're a person. But there are other influences that are actually helping that. So we need to help disarm some of that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? And then you kind of see the plan. Genesis 12, Abraham is elected, he is called, through which the nations are going to be blessed. Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, so on, so on, so on. Notice how much content is in three of those categories. Four chapters, three and a bit kind of chapters, the rest of the Bible. Where do we spend a lot of our study? What is your salvation about? If you think that your salvation is just about you and God, you have missed the goal. Possibly have some understanding of the mess, but may have little idea of the plan. Right? What is God's goal? God is establishing his rule over creation through humanity for his glory. That's what he's doing. His reign. And that's where little cliches like, have you heard this, let go and let God. That's a departure from the biblical narrative. Let Jesus take the will. And Jesus saying, no, you take the will, partner with me and take this world somewhere. Those things are not helpful when you understand the goal. And that's what we want to be thinking about. And I've already run out of time, so I'm going to bring this to an end and move on to something. God establishes his rule over creation through humanity for his glory. That is the glory of God. Paul speaks about the glory of God being lost. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Another way of, of, of looking at that, of translating that, say all have sinned and lost the glory of God. What is that glory? That we do God's job on his behalf in this world. That we take his shalom and we push it out. And when we do that, 
he is glorified. That's the goal. So we want to think about that. So what are you saved to? The goal. And now that you are saved, is everyone saved here? Now that you are saved, what are you now part of? The plan. Right? And what is the end game of the plan? The goal. Okay? So what does the goal entail? I don't know. All right. So for the next portion of time, we're going to be looking through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So I encourage you in your own times, if you um, start reading through that, we're going to actually go through, we're going to um, pay some attention to the detail. That's in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. What does it mean when um, the, the story is given to God's people that we are made in the image of God? What is God actually saying? We're going to be kind of looking at that. Goal, mess, plan, and that's kind of what I just wanted to land on today. Is that all right? So um, next week, um, we're going to be starting Genesis 1, verse 1. But that's where we're going um, this year. And in all of our lives, maybe think about that goal, mess, plan. Stuff's going down in your family. What's the goal? Looks a bit messy right now. Okay, what's the plan? You look at um, dysfunction or non-function in society suddenly and you have a real burden for it. Okay, what's the goal? What's God's goal? What's God's goal? He's establishing his reign through his people. Oh, I'm his people. Okay, he wants to establish his reign through me. That's the goal. I can see the mess. What's the plan? That's kind of like the framework which we kind of want to have for 2020. Are you excited about that? Yeah. It means we're going to get a bit more gritty, which is going to be good. Okay, now we're going to do something a little bit unconventional. Turn around, say good day to some people. We're going to have a um, song up on the um, screen. Pay attention to the words, listen to the words if you want, but we're going to have a